Recorded live. Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. have changed. Hey, good day wherever you're listening from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, January 28th, 2011. This week, episode 194 comes to you from Studio C in beautiful McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. My name is Joe Hughes of Radio Joe. Here with me in the studio is Cliff Slotnick or the Z-Man. Hey, it's good to be back in the saddle, Joe. Good day, Cliff. Back together at the controls and at the controls, our engineer, Austin Stone Cold Novak. All right, today's segments include the IAQ Radio trivia question, an interview with Mr. Jeff Cross, the editor of Clean Facts magazine. Looking forward to just talking to Jeff again. Uh, halftime, we'll do our little thanks to our sponsors and maybe bring Dr. Wow in for a moment there and if not then we'll bring him in for the roundup. We've been updating and adding a blog to the IAQ Radio website every every week after the show. Hey check out Cliff's blog at iaqradio.com. We also send a link to his blog with the show announcements. Before we start let's thank our marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfacts.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right. To contact the show, you just follow the link on the uh, invitation, or you can go to our iaqradio.com website and follow the link there that says go to the show. You can either stream us live, or, of course, you can also download shows later either from our website. Uh, again, you, have to, you can stream it live from our website, but then to download shows and listen on your iPod or pop it into your uh, car or whatever, you have to go to the show and then download from the TalkShoe website. You can also get us from iTunes. Don't forget, we also have those ABIH certification maintenance points, IICRC, continuing education credits, and ACAC renewal credits. Just email me and request a quiz at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. I got a couple to return. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at 
iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thank you, Joe. Win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question every week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to czlotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. To Andy Krasowski, Comcast Metal Products and Mars PA, for answering the prior week's question. Uh, the answer to that question was 80% is the percentage of what America's Environmental Protection Agency considers to be recyclable. Congratulations to Bonnie Klein of Lee County Board of County Commissioners in Fort Myers, Florida, for identifying Dr. John Snow as being the voted the greatest physician of all time in a survey taken by Hospital Doctor Magazine. The IAQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, January 28th, 2011 has been sponsored by Cochrane & Associates, the indoor air quality industry's dedicated marketing and public relations firm. Now for this week's trivia question. Name the non-flammable synthetic dry cleaning solvent introduced to the market in the 1930s and still the most common solvent used for this purpose today worldwide. Okay, thank you, Cliff. And actually, I'm going to turn it right back over to you so we, you can introduce uh, a good friend of yours and today's guest. Sure. Jeff Cross is the senior editor of Clean Facts magazine. He has more than 20 years of hands-on experience in the carpet and furniture cleaning industry. His background includes newspaper reporting, magazine editing, and photojournalism. As an IICRC certified master textile cleaner and IICRC approved instructor, Jeff teaches carpet cleaning, upholstery cleaning, color repair, and advanced spot and stain removal seminars across the country. He is also the founder and instructor of Totally Booked University, a marketing workshop for the cleaning industry. How about his intro? Can he clean a diamond ring? Mr. Clean cleans anything. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. Hello, Jeff. Do we have you on the line? Whoop, we've got to unmute Jeff or we won't have him on the line. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Do we have hey you on? Guys. There we go. Okay. Hi. I'm here. How you doing? Great. Good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Love, love the jingle. Love the jingle. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff always comes up with something interesting. I'd like to start with, uh, you know, Jeff, IAQ Radio has a pretty diverse listening audience. We get the Disaster Restoration Gang. We get the IEQ, IAQ folks. We get some building science folks. As the editor of Clean Facts magazine, does Clean Facts contain content that would be of interest to indoor environmental consultant types? Absolutely. We have plenty of content. Uh, I think we shared a few emails on the importance of IEC people and Obviously, they want to learn as much as they can about how to how to inform their clients on keeping a healthy home. I think you walk into about any home that's not clean properly, sit on the sofa, it's dusty, or you have urine-soaked rugs. Uh, people need 
information to keep their homes clean. And so any tissue at CleanFacts, we've got uh, training articles, we've got um, how-to articles. Even though someone may be a consultant and not do the work, they need to know what the information is. So we do have lots of good stuff, either in the magazine or in our archives online. You know, I'd ag I agree wholeheartedly. I, you know, I get a copy of it, and I have since I've been in the indoor environmental quality business. It was one of the first magazines I started to watch. And, you know, as I think it's very important in that a lot of indoor environmental quality people really don't know a whole lot about carpet cleaning and some of the re restoration mm -hmm. issues out there and, you know, making sure that the carpet's dry when you're done and all that. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jeff. I think one of the differences with, with that publication, too, is others are more advertising-driven. And uh, this one, I think, always has more of – I've always found it to be a little bit more educational. Well, now that we've kind of talked about it, uh, do you got a deal for any of our listeners? I mean, can they get – a free subscription to the publication, and if so, how can they do it? That's easy. Um, just go to cleanfacts.com, and there's a link on our homepage that they can go to, and it's um, find it here. It is the third button in from the left magazine. You click subscribe, and there's a form to fill out. So simple, simple procedure. Just go online and do that. Um, of course, anyone could email me, and I could send them a link to the online registration as well. Let's also make so sure they have the. I'm, uh, let's make sure they have the spelling right too. It's clean facts, F A X, and uh, F -A -X. I think that may throw some people. What about consumers? We we've got a text question already from a consumer. Do you get any consumers that uh, subscribe to the magazine, Jeff? Uh, it's mainly for industry professionals, but I'm sure we do have a few consumers that receive it or they might find it online i do get um quite a few emails from uh, consumers out there who have a cleaning question uh, often their question the answer is they need to hire a professional but we do get uh, through probably google searches or online searches people that see our website and then try to find information for handling some of their own cleaning projects so but mainly it's the, ind the industry you know carpet cleaners furniture cleaners restoration people um, a few other segments, but those are our main ones. All right. Well, we've got a uh, text question we'll get into in a little bit here. But before we do, um, I'm curious. Obviously, we've had a pretty significant downturn in the economy. And I'm wondering how that has affected one of the biggest base, I guess, of cleaning and restoration folks are the carpet cleaners. How has the downturn affected them? It, it For my observation it's kind of slowly built into a problem um, kind of a trickle down when the of course the government reports on recessions after you're already in the thick of it but uh, especially at the training seminars I do you know you get to talking to cleaners and ask them how their business is and one of their main concerns is uh, keeping busy and it seemed to get slower and slower for some and then once the turnaround started happening I'd say a good year ago uh, they're getting busier. So I talked to a friend the other day who's got a decent cleaning company, and, and he's even keeping fairly busy right now in the middle of winter, which is surprising. Uh, just the other day I was driving down the road, and I saw a couple of cleaning trucks out there busy working. So good signs. But, yeah, they we were affected by it, just like everyone else. If money's not there, it's not going to be there for a lot of different 
services a consumer might purchase. But I think we're past the worst, and of course we always want to be positive, and things are looking up. You know, Jeff, a lot of people have lost jobs, uh, have been laid mm-hmm. off from industry and other types of, of occupations, and carpet cleaning uh, is a field that people oftentimes diversify into. Can you tell us a little bit about the, you know, what you know about the number of carpet cleaners there are, you know, whether people are getting into the business, you know, whether the number of cleaners is up, down, static? Sure. Well, the number of cleaners out there, the cleaning company number is a hard one to put your thumb on. Uh, it could be as high as 60,000 that are out there running little companies, of course, we're talking about large and small, maybe even um, those running out of the trunk of your car, you might say. Uh, so I would say anywhere between 50 and 60,000 might be a good estimate as far as how many are doing this type of work at all levels. Um, a lot of the classes that I am involved in, in the past two years, it seems like there's always two or three people in the class who are brand new, starting up, and they were from the construction industry. They were home builders involved in some kind of, of a new construction or commercial or maybe remodeling. And so they come in and they take the class and they're, you know, they're trying to do it on the cheap, you might say. Um, hopefully they're successful, but I think we've probably seen growth in our industry just because you can get into this with a, a low cost point. You know, Jeff, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when uh, in various publications, Popular Mechanics, uh, etc., there would be advertisements uh, to go into the carpet cleaning business. Uh, Von Schrader, uh, DuraClean, uh, and what they were telling people was they could go into this on a part-time basis and so on and so forth. Are companies still doing this, trying to bring, or, or, or manufacturers and franchisors trying to bring you know, people into the industry? Is this still happening? I think it's still happening. Uh, obviously, they want to expand and, and get new customers, and often the way to do that is to do what you just described. I don't have any specific information on it, but I do hear of, of cleaners who uh, have gone through this program you just described. They, they hear of a manufacturer or they're contacted through some advertising, and they, they go with that product line, and they get the training from that, from that company, um, hopefully put it to good use and are successful. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff, in the indoor environmental quality world, um, there's some controversy about carpet in general, whether it's something that you should have or should not have. And mm-hmm. and there have been various recommendations from different groups and people, you know, basically saying, you know, kind of pushing people away from carpet. I'm curious, is the wall-to-wall carpet market growing? Is it losing traction to hardwoods and other surfaces? Well, the statistics show that it's lost some market share to hard floors, especially tile and grout. Um, but I know that it seems like the cleaners are doing okay with that. A lot of them now clean more than carpet. Uh, I would say most do other types of floor cleaning, floor maintenance. I was just down in Mexico for a vacation. We rented a small house that had all tile floor. I couldn't wait to get back home to my carpet. Dust bunnies everywhere. You have to sweep every day. So. A lot of people feel that way. They they get the hard floors and they realize, well, carpet is a good thing. And uh, of course, they always put in those area rugs, which are, is an opportunity too. So, yeah, I would say it's losing losing traction, but it's it's strong, it's still strong. People are 
people on carpet in their home and they need it clean. Uh, we um we had a show not long ago with uh, a couple folks that were discussing the CRI program. Maybe Cliff could follow up a little on that one for well, me. I, I guess let's rephrase the question. CRI stands for Carpet and Rug Institute, and they're and correct me if I'm wrong. They're pretty much a trade. Uh, association of a number of carpet manufacturers. Uh, actually, there's some big ones that notably are absent that don't participate. And um, I think the carpet cleaning industry gets upset over what the Carpet and Rug Institute says, what they do, what they don't do, uh, and kind of how they want to control it. You know, from my perspective what carpet cleaners do, like they want to certify them or, uh, you know, ensure that they're qualified, they, they want to be sure that their equipment is up to snuff and so on and so forth. Uh, I guess from your perspective, and, you know, you've got your hand on the pulse of, of carpet cleaners, uh, are carpet cleaners most upset about the Carpet and Rug Institute or are there other issues that are currently of greater or more real concern to cleaners maybe the word upset isn't strong enough okay (laughs) (laughs) you go on on to uh, like our bulletin board and do some searching of the archives of comments made by cleaners they don't like to they don't like being told what to do okay and um, that's kind of how many of them feel now i'm not i can't speak for everybody but that's obviously those that are upset with a program or a system they're going to be the most vocal but you do have a group of people and probably some involved in manufacturing and distributing of products that are uh, might upset, go with your word again, um, about this. I find when I am talking to cleaners that a lot of them don't really know what the CRI is all about. They, you know, you, you tell them about the, the testing program and the certification of products and they're like, really? I didn't know that. Uh, happens all the time. So is the word really getting out there to to everyone? Maybe not. Um, do the consumers know much about the CRI testing and, and certification of products? Um, I haven't really seen much information in the consumer market on that. Of course, I don't see every commercial there is or look at every magazine. But I would say that you know cleaners are a rebel bunch. They like to make their own decisions, and when someone says you must do this or you must do that, they're going to push back. Um, I do know of cleaners that use products that are approved by the CRI and, and uh, use their system um, and use it in their marketing, and they do w- well with that. Of course, they're, they're then educating their own client base and their own demographic about the program, so they're getting the word out that way too. You know, I wonder whether it's the importance of the CRI logo or the CRI brand, so to speak, or most consumers trust their cleaner and they'll follow the instructions of a trusted professional so uh, i don't necessarily know that that logo that green logo cri really means that much you know to the consumer but uh, i I don't know i I guess thinking as a consumer myself anytime a a company has the certification or they use a a program that looks like it's been developed by a professional company you feel better Mm -hmm. Uh, you know you choose you choose do business with those that you have confidence in and if they're using a system that looks good then you you might go with them Um, then again uh, you have a cleaning company that does a good job and you're comfortable with them that's the main thing just like you said 
You know, look, from your observation point, uh, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about the subject of green, you know, green cleaning okay. and uh, whether or not this is caught on with carpet cleaners. And uh, if so, is it only in the form of something superficial where a carpet cleaner will buy a product that has a certification as a green product or a product that has green in the name as opposed to energy savings? Uh, you know, I don't know that consumers really think about it, but, you know, the carpet cleaners oftentimes are driving around in a vehicle they're hauling their own water in that vehicle, which can weigh a thousand pounds or more, and that's got to have some sort of environmental footprint. So, I don't know. Could you just comment? Well, when it comes to uh, green cleaning, um, again, if you get a group of cleaners together and ask them what that really means, you get all kinds of different answers. Some believe it's it's buying a, a specific product line that's not going to harm the environment or have a less of an impact. Others say, well, it can involve what you just said, um, less fuel usage, less resources, and that's all, that's all true. Um, how, how much this has driven cleaners to go green, um, it's hard to say. A lot of them use green cleaning in their marketing, just like they use CRI. Uh, they, they advertise it if they're after the consumer market that wants the, the green systems, and what that means in their lives, they're going to be successful with it. So. I see a lot of good marketing when it comes to green cleaning. Now, what they're doing to qualify it as green cleaning is anyone's guess. It depends on the company. Um, but like, like I said, it's just something that you have to think about what you're looking to do. You may drive a truck mount around with a 1,000 pounds of water in it, and that might leave a carbon footprint. But what's the benefit after a job is done? You have better health and a, a cleaner home. You have to you do have to pay somewhat of a price to to stay healthy. I think we all know how that is. Well, what, what I meant by that is most homes have water, you know. So, uh, you know, I can hook up to their tap, and I can have portable water softening. And most of the truck-mounted units have heaters. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's uh, more of a time-saving reason. You know, would you agree with that? As to why? Yeah, I ran. I ran a couple of truck-mounted machines um, for several years without carrying water. And let me tell you, it's so nice to have water on board. Right. Uh, thinking out today, right now I'm looking outside my window. There's snow on the ground. And I remember the, the years of dragging a garden hose to the faucet. <laughs> Hopefully right. it was turned on, it wasn't frozen. And you had to hurry up to get your job done or get the truck started because the water was going to freeze in the line. Um, how much fuel... Does a truck burn in addition because it carries water? I guess that's a question that, that could be a concern. Uh, if you're driving a, a truck around and you add 100 gallons of fresh water, I don't know if that really would bring down the fuel economy that much to make it um, un unfeasible. So, and of course you have customers that are trying to get the best deal for the, for the cleaning. And if a cleaning company can save time on the job by carrying water, then that's going to also trickle down and benefit them too. So it's a good question. Um, depends on the company and what trucks they're using. And uh, also you've got to consider are they using direct drive or flight-in units and how long they leave them running. A uh, lot, of, lot of points to consider when it comes to green cleaning and, and saving energy. 
I'm curious on the, on the same topic, Jeff. Do you see more use of like GPS systems and better planning of, of routes and, and jobs mm-hmm. so that you know people use less energy in that respect? Yeah, I love those systems. I was can't remember which event I was at, but I was sitting next to a, a guy, a uh, business owner who ran like six trucks, and he opened his computer and he showed me that the tracking system that was watching his his trucks. He could see exactly where they were going. He knew when they stopped and how long they were at, at a job. And of course, if you give your crew a system where they can have good directions and get straight to the job and take the shortest route, that's a great benefit. But anyone running multiple trucks especially really should look into that. that that's a huge time-saving system and, of course, other savings as well. Well, I think one of the... One of kind, the of, kind of scary, too. Yeah, well, I, 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 I think one of the issues, too, is I think that, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, some people do the right thing when they know someone's looking, and I think mm-hmm. it, it will make employees do the right thing because I think there have been issues, certainly, that cleaners have had uh, where there's been employee dishonesty, and, you know, th- these guys are doing side jobs and things like that, particularly when they're allowed to take the trucks home, you know, uh, at night and over the weekend and, and that sort of thing. It's also the kind of thing that would work for any number of different types of service businesses, whether it's cleaners or HVAC cleaners or HVAC uh, maintenance type people or any any number of people. Yeah, no, I think, I think yeah, any any type of service industry business would would greatly benefit from it. I don't know about you guys, but even if I'm driving around town, I know where I'm going. I still have the GPS up there, and I I kind of addicted to it. I think that's part of today's um, challenges. We have so many tools, electronic tools that we use that uh, we really rely on. They can save you lots of time and money. Jeff, you know, carpet cleaners seem to often have a mine is bigger than yours mentality. And what this culminates in is the desire to have the biggest, baddest, most powerful, most expensive carpet cleaning equipment. I mean, there are machines on the market that are $100,000 when, you know, you can get it done for a whole lot less than that. Uh, Do you see this changing? That was an attitude that I saw years ago that was prevalent, as you indicated. Um, I think today we're seeing more compact machines. Uh, you still have the, the larger machines for larger production that do cost a lot of money, um, you know, some, some higher ticket prices on those. But if you walk into a uh, distributor showroom now, you see machines that are smaller, more compact, they built that clean great. So I think that's just a natural uh, pathway with new technology and, and better, better systems, better equipment. You don't have to have the larger mentality is better, larger is better mentality attitude. Do you think some of it might have to do with the service vehicle itself that, you know, rather than having a van, uh, people like a box truck because there's more mm-hmm. room for signage and graphics? Yeah, you, you've got to think about, too, what these service companies are doing. They're not just cleaning carpet. Back when I got started, I just did carpet and upholstery cleaning. Uh, you could, can fit a lot of what you need into a smaller truck. Now we got them out there doing hard floor care, pile and grout, they need several tools. They're doing water damage jobs. So, you know, if you've got a smaller system, it gives you more storage space, more cargo room, that's gonna benefit you. 
you know, I want we maybe we'll go back to the green for just a moment. Yeah, sure. um, there was a recent article in Clean Facts by Dr. Michael Berry, and and, and it was a never really heard of him. never heard of him. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he seems to be a pretty knowledgeable gentleman. I believe he worked as, was it at Nassau previously? or well, it was with EPA. EPA, that's what it EPA, was. Okay. Yeah. And he wrote an article on green cleaning and in Clean Facts, and the article echoed, uh, I think, Cliff's sentiments on the subject. I, I thought it was a little harsh on, on, on in some respects. Or I wouldn't even say harsh. It was kind of like some of the opinions seemed to paint throw a blanket over a large group of people um mm -hmm. and that that was my only concern i didn't argue with the facts within it but i'm wondering what kind of feedback you've had from that article uh i've had some make comments like you just made uh, mainly the environmentalists that were concerned with some of the points uh mike dr mike berry is a very passionate individual when it comes to this this topic and we don't want to you know, hinder that, and we want the message to get across. And um, we run articles from many different points of view. But the, the feedback on this one has been really good. Uh, the March issue of Clean Facts will have, I think, three or four uh, different viewpoints of those that have read the article and wanted to comment on it. So I'll, I'll run those as letters to the editor. I've had a few emails um, with some that had some concerns, but, but mainly the, the response has been positive. I've had a lot of people, uh, some big names in the industry, say that what Dr. Berry said in the article needed to be said, said a long time ago. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a great response. Um, topic is, is good, and uh, a lot of information that may erase some confusion about what green cleaning is or, or what it is not. Hopefully that's been addressed. It's also not bad for the media business either, having a little bit of controversy <laughs> either. <laughs> no, no we, we want to we want to raise the issues and, and get people talking. Um, you know, you don't want to just feed them the easy stuff. You want to get get the conversation going and, and help people. So if it's a little sensitive material to some, that's unfortunate. But it's it's you got to look at the bigger benefit to the industry. Would that still be up on your website somewhere where listeners who haven't had a chance to read it would uh, be able to access it? Yeah, like I said when we talked about uh, subscribing to the magazine, if you go to Clean Facts Online, right now the the issue that's up is the February issue or the uh, January issue. And there's a picture of it right in the middle of the page. So you just click on that picture of the green article and you can read it online. Great. I would encourage any uh, listeners out there to go ahead and check that out if you're interested in the uh, whole concept of green cleaning and, and environmentalism and what this green actually means. And uh, Dr. Barry's got some very strong science behind him. I know that. And it's uh, very well done. So I think people would enjoy mm -hmm. it. All right, Jeff, we've got a break for just a moment for halftime and, and thank our sponsors. But we'll be right back. All right, thanks. All right, our association sponsors are the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. 
the Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental and consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions, and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon, J-O-N-D-O-N.com. And, of course, Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfactswithanx.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. All right, let's go back to the second half of our interview with the editor, senior editor of Clean Facts Magazine, Mr. Jeff Cross. Cliff, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thanks, Joe. In the age of immediate electronic communication, are trade associations in the cleaning industry still relevant? Uh, And what must they do to adapt, change, and improve? Well, I, I like trade associations. Uh, I think they are relevant. We've seen things change, of course. Uh, as you mentioned, with electronic communication, used to be you would get all your information in the mail or you would go to a convention. I think most of the associations in the past would have their own little convention and little, by, I mean, regional. You would draw from the states that you're, you're located. Of course, We've seen those disappear. We've seen um, the industry pull together and, and uh, go to connections, as an example, as far as a trade show. So they, the trade associations have morphed into something else. They're, they're still relevant. Uh, of course, we're seeing the talk of um, maybe the, the forming of an inter- international trade association that they all would be under that umbrella, which would give the industry more power and would probably pull a lot of cleaners into the fold, you might say, because it would be something they would see that would have value. There'd be more benefits and more networking, um, just better opportunities to get information to help grow your business. So, yeah, we're going to see changes. Um, some associations are struggling, but they're they're hanging in there, and, and maybe this new International Trade Association would be a good thing. I know when we went to uh, Clean Facts attended a meeting a couple of years ago at Connections when they first started talking about the, the forming of this large association that all the others would be under that umbrella and the, the response wasn't too exciting. Uh, a lot of the associations were concerned they would lose their, uh, their identification but from what it seems from the last meeting that was last fall that I attended, those concerns are pretty much put to rest. They will still be their own group, their own entity, and have their own uh, leadership like you see now, but they will benefit from a larger organization. 
you know, Jeff, for the, uh, a lot of the next portion of this show, we would like to go into a little bit of marketing that obviously would help anybody. You're, talk a little bit about your totally booked university. But before we do, we've got a text question from a consumer, and I just wanted to run it by you and maybe Cliff and I, and we can chat about what we know about it uh, real quickly so we can uh, we promised we would uh, try and get an answer for them it says he's interested in a home hydroxyl generator is it safe and effective I'm, I'm curious are you familiar with those products at all and, and do you have any comment on them no not terribly familiar with it that might be something cliff has more information on I'm familiar with it but I guess my question that we, we popped back to the consumer was for what reason do you want to use this because uh, this is almost like a medication. If you go to a drugstore, uh, they sell aspirin, and there are certain uses for aspirin. It's pretty good for pain relief, and it's pretty good for headache, and it's pretty good uh, you know, to prevent heart attacks and inflammation, so, and, yeah. inflammation and, 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 and so on and so forth. You know, if you have acid indigestion, then it might not be a good idea uh, to use an aspirin because it can irritate you. So. Uh, I think oftentimes people are looking for something cheap, something easy to solve a problem that uh, requires a lot more than that. You know, it might require repair, might require, you know, I suspect that there's probably an odor problem in yeah. there. And the question is, you know, what's causing that? Years of abuse from a lot of pets. I mean, is there an active mold infestation in the house and, uh, you know, there, that that's creating odor so I, I the question is why and i don't have any problem with the equipment the question is why do you want it and um you know if you're looking for some sort of solution for a bigger problem i'm not sure that it's really a good idea that you know you probably would be better off as jeff said earlier hiring the services of either a professional cleaner uh, restore or an indoor environmental professional to come in and figure out what's wrong you know, I get I get yeah, this question. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say the the big issue is is just get it clean. Uh, if you have a clean home, if you have a system, uh, routine uh, maintenance of all your your floor coverings and your and articles in your home, you shouldn't have issues that you would need a, a device for. But uh, everyone has different needs, and they have to make that decision. But I could make some good points there. Absolutely, I. I couldn't agree more. I get this question a lot in courses with restoration contractors and mold remediation mm. contractors, and they, they want to know, you know, is it good at removing odors and so on and so forth. And, and we always point them back to exactly what Cliff said. Look, your first thing you should do is source removal. Remove the source of mm -hmm. the odor. I mean, let's, let's start exactly. with that. And uh, if you've done that to the point where you feel it, there's no no source remaining to remove then you know maybe this equipment would be useful for you maybe not as far as safeness i haven't seen anything that indicates they're a tremendous problem but i have seen at least in my opinion the marketing of the equipment for things beyond what it was typically in the past used for and that's about all I can say at this point. We'll, we'll have more on mm -hmm. it in a later show. Yeah, you know, as far as the safety goes, I think Dr. Dieter, I mean, too much of anything is going to be hazardous. And, you know, if it's an electric device, uh, you know, there can be electrical hazards, um, you know. So I, I don't 
I, I just know, I, I think the word safe in general uh, is, is not a good word. Great point. Cliff, let's move on to the marketing questions here. Sure. That's what a lot of people, I'm sure, are interested in with our marketing guru, Mr. Cross. Well, I, I guess, Jeff, you know, there have been a lot of marketing courses out there, and a lot of these provide a generic tool. You know, the attendee can use it, and they can produce their own marketing materials and, and programs. And I'm speaking from personal experience. The problem is, after I've attended these courses, I put these materials on the shelf. They stay on the shelf. I've spent the money and, and never uh, never used them. Uh, have you done anything different in, in your course? Well, I, that is a problem, and uh, I appreciate the plug as a marketing guru, but I'm really not. That's not my goal, and I there are a lot of uh, great marketers out there that have programs that cleaners can use to build their business. That's not what I do. I don't sell programs. Um, where you have to sign up to do a certain system. What I do is, is I take ideas I've heard, ideas I've used, and put it together and bring people together in one location to have a, a brainstorming session. So every class I teach, and I'm doing about 12 or 15 this year across the country, each, each time we always get some new information, some, some great marketing tips that really work. And so we, we add it to the curriculum. But um, the biggest problem is what you said is implementation. So what I do with my seminars is at the beginning, everyone gets out of a pad and they, they're required to write down three things that they're going to change when they go back. And they have to implement them. Now, of course, you can't put a gun to their head, but uh, a lot of times people go to a seminar and they learn 20 or 30 things and they're overwhelmed. It's just too much. Well, you have to pick and choose what you're going to do from those 20 or 30 things. We do cover in our one-day seminar uh, a lot of information, uh, website stuff, print advertising, how to write a headline, uh, how to get into a commercial building to talk to the decision maker when it comes to cleaning services. We cover a lot of stuff, and you can't apply it all at one time. You might be able to implement a lot of it over a period of time, but the reality is people go home and they, they do put the stuff on the shelf and then they forget it. But if you just have a couple of great ideas from the entire day and you implement those, then it's manageable and it's something you can do. And that's what I really encourage anyone to do, whether they attend a seminar or not or just open clean facts or go onto the archives and look up all the great marketing articles that we have. The information's there. You just have to treat it like a menu and pick the best things for your company. So it sounds like you, you act more like a coordinator and moderator to some degree, huh? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to compete with the marketers out there. Um, we have several that write for Clean Facts, and we have good relationships. Um, people ask me, you should, you should sell a system. You, know, you should um, charge a monthly fee and, and uh, provide the help that they need. Well, that's already out there. That's, that's something that they can get from a lot of different uh, marketers. Uh, I just think of when I had my company, I just needed some help. I just needed a bit of advice on how to do a few things, and that made a difference. So that's my goal is when we get together with these cleaners and restorers, and we get other industries too. We've, we get um, all kinds of different industries from time to time that can apply the same principles, just smart marketing stuff. I guess I'm, I'm curious with all the you know people that you have talked to about marketing over the years, are there any 
misconceptions that people have or the biggest misconceptions that you can think of with respect to marketing or maybe if if that's not the best way to go at it are there any significant uh concepts that people are not taking advantage of or can you give us one good tip either way well i i I remember um, going to some seminars when some of these uh, marketing experts would talk about some things that that to me, that made a lot of sense, and it was a good idea. But to other cleaners, they they refused to do it. And I guess one that comes to mind is is offering to do a demonstration or maybe a free room of cleaning. Um, you got cleaners out there spending a lot of money just to get a new customer, and they they put out the cash. Maybe they get an expensive ad in the newspaper, and they get two clients, three clients from it. When if they were to give some of their time. Uh, to do a demo or a free room cleaning, they could grab some new customers. You make someone happy, they're going to tell their friend. Um, so I guess the industry is so diverse. You have such a different uh, type of person in every, from one cleaning company to another that they're always going to have their own way of doing things. And there's always going to be a marketing system to one person that looks perfect and the other person is going to say, yeah, that's not for me. So it's a pretty tough uh, question to answer directly, but that's what I see. I see a lot of good ideas um, in all the marketing programs you see out there. You have to pick the ones that work for you. If you don't like the idea and you try to do it, you're not going to have your heart in it. You're not going to do it right. Jeff, do you find that every class that you do, you have a certain percentage of the attendees that are just not good at sharing? You know, like they're there to just take information, but they're not there to uh, give it back in return. And if so, how do you deal with that? Yeah, that does happen. Um, I remember I taught a class, I think it was uh, Baltimore area. Um, and I had two competitors sitting at the same table. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, what I do when I have a seminar is I try to get 10 to 20 people together and we put them into teams. You might have three or four different tables. and You're going to work with those people. Well, once in a while, what you see happen is you get two guys from two different companies who are direct competitors. And I, what you see is some resistance, and maybe some don't share much information, but as the day goes on, uh, everyone's doing well. They're, they're helping each other. Um, you're right, some people may attend just to listen, and that's fine, but you get the most benefit when, you're, when you get with a group of people and you share ideas and you ask questions. Uh, one of the best parts of the class is when we have everyone get out all their marketing stuff. You know, I, I instruct them to bring their yellow page ad and their their uh, brochures and their business cards, and you lay them all out, and you just see everyone's eyes light up as they're seeing what their peers are doing. And they're not just seeing the stuff on the table. They're talking about how did they implement these ideas, what what response have they received from uh, these different marketing materials. So uh, these, it's a really cool seminar. It's, it's fun. It's educational. And if you come with a view to not only take, but also to help, you really benefit. Are there any tips you would give people with respect to online marketing? And maybe some, some traps to avoid or some areas that you think are good areas to pursue? Probably one of the, the biggest ones would be using social media. Um, you get cleaners together, especially if they're, um, I don't want to say older, but uh, past the bloom of youth. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, 
they uh, they don't want to do Facebook or Twitter, uh, but that's that's the media that um, that consumers are using. They're they're on Facebook every day. They're looking at that. And I would I guess one tip I would share is give it a shot. Open a Facebook account. Start a fan page for your business, but don't overdo the posting. Uh, post once a day or once every couple of days, whatever you want. But every job that you do, ask your customer if they have a Facebook account, Facebook page, and most likely they do. And just ask them to post their thoughts about the cleaning experience they just had. Uh, that's then seen by all that person's, that customer's friends on their list. And you'd be amazed how quickly word can spread about your company. So it's very challenging to, it can be challenging to build your own friend list in a market. I mean, who wants to be a friend of a carpet cleaner? Uh, you know, people might say, well, what, what's the point? But every customer you service uh, has a Facebook page. Uh, well, most of them do. And they have their own friend list, uh, people in their community, and you can easily get the word out. You know, years ago they had these statistics, and I'm probably going to quote it wrong, but I think that everyone will, will get the point that, you know, if someone was used to be satisfied with your services, they would tell up to three mm. people that they were happy. And then if they were unhappy, they would tell ten. And today, mm -hmm. today they'll still tell three if they're happy, but if they're unhappy, they put it on Facebook, and uh, the yeah. world knows. So and now you got 50 people that spread it to 500 others. Right. Yeah. So it could right. go viral if you don't do a good job. Interesting. One of the that's a good that's a good observation. One of the things I hear from time to time in my seminars, someone shows up and they say, "I got a bad Google review." Oh man, you know, or, or Facebook. Someone posted negative about me on Facebook. Well, that's because you're right. If, if someone's unhappy, they're going to tell everyone plus their enemies. They, they get the word out. You know, you just got to go back and, and work it out. Uh, talk to the customer, figure out what you did wrong, if anything, and, and make them happy. So it, it works both ways. You know, the social media systems uh, can benefit you, uh, but it can also work against you if you're not careful. All right. What's... Well, uh... We've got about 10 minutes left, and I think it would be a great time to go to what we call our roundup and bring in Dr. Weil and see if he has any comments. I know this isn't his uh, typical show, but maybe something on the hydroxyls or whatever. Sure. Let's uh, let's do that. Austin, if you could join us, uh, hang in there with, with us for one minute. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Let's get uh, Dr. Wow and Jeff Cross back on the line here, um, Austin. Okay, and I believe you may have some. There he goes. Good day, Dieter. Do we have you on the line? Good day. Yeah, I noticed that a minute ago that was not Beethoven. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, good day. And um, yeah, just a couple of comments. Obviously, uh, Joe knows that and Cliff knows that. That is not my forty over here. But there are a couple of issues 
on which, of course, I have an opinion. <laughs> and I think I said it on this show. Um, uh, we were talking about a thousand extra pounds of water on a truck or something like this. What bothers me is, in fact, I saw it this morning. There is a school bus going past my house. I mean, one of those big things. I don't know how many. I never was in a school bus where I grew up. We didn't have, we didn't have cars. We didn't have bicycles. We had to walk to school, which is all right. But uh, there is one of those big ones. Not one person is in there. Not one. Not one student. Yeah. Uh, is that a good idea? I mean, yes. Yeah. On a motorcycle, you could transport the people out of here, but that big thing comes over there. Is this a green attitude of my neighborhood over here? I don't think so. But we touched on a couple of other things, and I know a little bit about it. Um, all these gadgets that you can buy, there were actually people who were selling ozone generators to people to use in their house uh, because it was good for you. I think that's kind of how they did this. It's, a, it's of course, a, a terrible thing to have in your house when you have living things in there like dogs and cats and humans and plants and birds and what have you. Uh, that is not a good idea. So, But that has gone by the wayside. And uh, then I remember, and I don't know whether there are a lot of people around anymore, who know the happy ions. They were ion generators. And I'm pretty sure I said that on the show. Ion generators, it, in your house, they were producing happy ions. That was good for you. In fact, they had a small version that you plugged into your cigarette lighter output uh, uh, in your car that you had your happy ions in your car. And that was good for you. Of course, it's complete garbage, and there is nothing. Yeah, there is nothing good about it. Um, uh, uh, I think, and this is this is also interesting. What Jeff said over there, and Joe and I notice that every time, if we have a three-day course, and on day one, you know, there are all the guys and girls, uh, men and women, whatever you want to call it. Uh, are in the class, and they are very quiet. They don't look around and say, I can't tell them how much I charge, and they shouldn't do that anyway. But they don't talk about anything. And on day three, all of a sudden, they have lunch together <laughs> and exchange ideas. And uh, I think this is still one of those things that you cannot possibly duplicate on the on the computer with blogs, and I don't even know what the other things, the Twitters, and heaven knows what that is, and I don't really want to know. <laughs> um, but you notice that, that they all of a sudden know each other, and want to know each other, and um, are interested in, on, on what they do in New York when you come from Pittsburgh and the other way around. So I think this is excellent, and you know, Joe is a teacher, I'm a teacher, I did that for many, many years. And I like to see that, that I relax people, that they can open up and communicate with each other. And before I forget it, uh, congratulations, Andy. He did it again. Andy is a dear <laughs> friend of mine. <laughs> and like I said, the, 
People say, oh, you probably tell them the answers. I don't know the answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks as always, Dr. Dietrich. Wow, we always enjoy having you on the show, and I will see uh, you. As I said, I can't, you know, technically I can't contribute a heck of a lot, but you know, <laughs> all of these gadgets that you can uh, buy there that make your house healthier, healthier, open the window and you're pretty good shape. <laughs> <laughs> Get some fresh air in. Jeff, yeah. I, I'm curious, Jeff, Theater made, made a great point. You know, at the beginning, of course, is people kind of, you know, hold back, don't say a whole heck of a lot to each other. And then, you know, if you've, you're there for three days, they, they end up opening up quite a bit to each other. Do you have any techniques you use? Um, I know you've, you've talked a little bit about a few, but how do you help to break the ice for those types of situations? Yeah, that's the first thing I try to do. I, I, uh, like I said, I put people at tables as teams, usually four to five, maybe six at a table. And uh, when we start the class, we just, you know, we do a meet and greet kind of deal. But I put up on my PowerPoint five or six questions that each person at each table has to answer. So no matter what, they got to talk. You know, kind of force them. And it's questions about who they are, where they've been, and what they'd like to do, and maybe their goals. Uh, but also some marketing questions like what have they done uh, to get new customers, what's the most they've ever spent on marketing, and it just gets them thinking. And uh, after that, 10 or 15 minutes, uh, you've got a classroom full of people who feel they know each other. And they do. They, they've taken that time and put it to good use. So, yeah, the first thing I do, and it's, I do this with every class I teach, really, uh, whether it's IICRC or, or just a marketing class, uh, you, you, you walk into a room with a bunch of guys and, and ladies, and you're not comfortable unless you're really gregarious. Uh, you need to break the ice. You need to be comfortable, and, and that's what I do right away. Jeff, do you do any follow-up? You know, it would seem that once you had a, a group of people together, uh, you know, some of these guys could have some pretty good chemistry working together and, and working with you. Uh, have you ever gone back to the same area and, and tried to, you know, take the class, you know, uh, crank it up a notch, take it up to the next level? That's something I will probably do. Uh, I've only been doing this this seminar for almost a year. So, it's, you know, it's pretty new. One of the biggest challenges is getting people to go to a marketing class to begin with. Um, you get you get people who come to these things, and they're like the cream of the crop. They're They're business owners who really want to build a better business. If I do a spotting class um, or a carpet cleaning class, those fill up easily. People want to know, how do I get rid of a stain or how do I remove pet pee from a carpet? They want to know that, and they think that's the best way to build a business. It really takes several things. Um, the technical skill, you got to have it, but you also have to know how to build a business. Um, but that, that is something that will probably evolve in time once I make the circuit a few times, is coming back with some other information. But uh, I do a lot of follow-up. If someone takes my class, if they want to call me on the phone or, or email me questions, I do spend quite a bit of time doing that type of consulting. Just, you know, we talk about how to do a, a print ad or maybe tweak a website. Uh, they'll then send me what they've done, and we'll talk about maybe more improvements or what kind of results they're getting. So it's not just a deal where you take a one day and, and that's it. Um, the goal I have is, as the editor of Clean Facts Magazine and as someone who's been in the industry a long time, is I want to help people. And it's a really good feeling you get when, when someone talks to you and you share some ideas and they come back and say it worked and they're doing well with it. Uh, it's, it's a good feeling. 
I've got a maybe a, a question, and it might actually be a suggestion. Uh, you know, it would, okay. it would seem to me that if you did this class and <laughs> you uh, had some sort of large photocopier in the class, that you could photocopy all the work product that was produced in the class, give everybody that came to the class a copy of this work product that that you know that their class put together. Uh, you could take one copy with you. You know, you could build a file of all the master work products from all these other classes and kind of do a seminar with the best of the best. But I think it would give people more information uh, to possibly take away. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know whether it would work or it wouldn't, but I just thought I would no, suggest that's, that. That's a, that's a good idea, and that's what you just did there was an example of how everyone can learn something new every day. Uh, that's a good idea. I do... If I see a marketing piece that's really good and, and it should be shared, I, I do try to uh, get a hold of it and, and share it with future classes. But uh, that's a good idea. Maybe I'll uh, buy a Xerox. You know, before we go, Jeff, we always like to make sure, is there anything that we missed that you'd like to add? And secondly, how can listeners contact you after the show? Uh, nothing to add. I, I enjoy being with you guys. To contact me, um, my Phone number and business line is 740-919-0228. Uh, easy to find contact information in CleanFacts or on CleanFacts.com. My email address is jcross at CleanFacts.com. So very easy. Uh, shoot me a line and, and we'll have conversation. Well, thanks so much. We uh, want to thank Jeff Cross, the senior editor from Clean Facts Magazine, for joining us here this week. Of course, I uh, want to thank the, my co-host, the Z-Man. It's fun, Jeff. Another one, 194. 194. And, uh, of course, Austin Stone Cold Novak for assisting us over there on the controls. Of course, our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, But most importantly, all of you out there in... Uh, it will be internet land. Uh, thank you for joining us this week, and uh, we hope you come back again next week to join us for the next edition of IAQ Radio. Uh, one other thing, guess three, you're kind of wrong twice. Oh, oh, okay. That was on the... Uh, yeah, yeah, wrong answer, wrong team. <laughs> <laughs> Give it another shot, guess three. Come on. And, uh, hey, you know, we all have to root for one team or the other. Absolutely. So somebody's got to lose. Absolutely. Uh, all right, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Jeff. This has been another IAQ Radio production. 